Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I Talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid. Just walk with your head up high. Don't be afraid. Just take it one step at a time. Don't give up on your dreams, no matter how small. Welcome to Block Talk Radio Safe Recovery. <clears throat> this is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. And tonight we have Jason Bartley, who is comes to us from YouTube. That's where I found him, and his YouTube channel is called Recovery Truth One. So it's Jason Bartley, and you'll find him at Recovery Truth One on YouTube. So Jason is from Northern California. He has made over 20 videos and has had over 18,000 views on his videos, and I want to bring him on. Hi, Jason. Hi, Monica. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm glad to be on the show. Good. It's good to have you. All righty. So let's just plow right in. I found you on YouTube. Uh, I was impressed with your straightforwardness and... uh, you know, just kind of matter of fact, this is what happened to me and this is how I feel. Uh, so it was sort of this calm fearlessness that uh, just came across. So I'd like to start with the beginning of um, what what started with you first that you wanted to make the... Um, the videos? Make, yeah, the videos. Or did you want to start with your mental the mental health issues? I'll start with the uh, mental health issues. Okay. Um, I went in, and um, I'll just mention this real quick, just because it's Mental Health Awareness Week. Okay. And so it's, I don't know, just thought I'd put that out there. But uh, um, I went in to get help for mental health issues, and um, that's what led me to AA, believe it or not. A lot of, uh, of, uh, uh, how, what would you call them, professionals that mm-hmm. are supposed to be in healthcare. Yeah. Uh, send people to AA. I had a, a, my insurance was an HMO, and a lot of them, the people that worked there, the staff, had been in AA like 20 plus years. And, um, wow. They, you know, I wasn't even originally. I wasn't in their chemical dependency program. I was just in their mm-hmm. mental health. 
program. And um, in one of the groups, one of the ladies that was also, I didn't know at the time, but she was also from the chemical dependency program, started pushing 12, or yeah, 12-step 12 ideology on us, like doing ten, the 10th step at the end of the day to take up inventory and and just really try and persuade us as best she could that that if we wanted any really long-term stability in our uh, in our life, and as far as we, you know, sanity is concerned, that we needed the twelve steps. Well, yeah. well, what was her what was her job? Was she a social worker? What did she have after her name to be working there? I'm not sure. She was like a therapist there. Really, she was one of the chemical dependency professionals. I'm not sure exact title. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Was this up in Northern California? Yeah. Maybe after we get off, um, we took talk in a couple of days. You can tell me the name of the place, and I can just do a little right. research on their background. You know, it'd be kind of interesting. Yeah. Part, part of my investigation with the film is finding out some of these places that are getting paid by Aetna and Blue Cross. Uh, really, who's there? Are a bunch of AA members, and you know, some of them have. They went to college and they got degrees, but many of them that work in the rehabs don't. So, but back to you. So you, yeah. uh, so, so go ahead. So she's she starts a group, and when she starts teaching you the ten steps, does she actually bring literature, or she's just starting to tell you about the the steps? Um, I don't remember if she had brought in any uh, twelve, you know, AA approved literature, twelve step literature. Right. But uh, it was a group where we were supposed to be practicing meditation, or you know, some some kind of group therapy type exercise. Yeah. But what we were, what she was teaching us was how to do the tenth step. Uh, that's just one that I can remember. I'm sure there was more. That was a very, you know, hazy, foggy time in my life. Right. And I'm not sure exactly how much influence she had on me, but obviously, her and some of the other staff there had enough to convince me I needed AA. That I had to go to AA because you know a lot of people with um, with mental health issues tend to self-medicate, mm-hmm. and I was using, uh, you know, small amounts of marijuana and alcohol. And so for them, that was enough reason for them to put me in the chemical dependency program. And when you're in the chemical pen- dependency program, they say you, as part of the requirements to graduate, I wasn't forced to graduate, but mm-hmm. I was told this is what I need to do to get better. Right. And they said you need to attend a support group. And the only one there is is AA or NA. They flat, I remember when the, one of the guys there, he flat out told us that, that. He said, it is AA or NA. That's your choice, basically. Wow. Um, how, yeah. long ago was, how long ago was that, Jason? That was in like 2000, 2001, so what, 12, mm-hmm. 13 years ago. Yeah. Did you know that other things existed at the time, like SMART or SOS or harm reduction? No, I had never heard of them. In fact, it wasn't until I started seeing, like, Blame the Nile on YouTube and mm-hmm. some of these other videos out there that were out before I made mine right. uh, that I even knew about any of that stuff. And I had studied to be a drug counselor, actually. I had, was working at a recovery center, and I had, like, four or five years of sobriety at the time, mm-hmm. no drinking. And, of course, that was my own choosing 
I didn't need AA to do that. I mm-hmm. had become convinced that it was AA that gave me the ability to do that, but it wasn't AA. It was my doing. It was. Right. Uh, I don't even think I really had uh, so much of a serious problem with is because I consider it today. I consider it a learned behavior, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't think my learned behavior was so bad. And then, uh, you know, I just was able to quit on my own. Right, but right. There's, there's more I can so, get into that. Yeah. So you you go you start to go to meetings. You just from there you left and you began to attend in your local area. Is that what happens next? Oh, you what mean I, when I was in the the program? Yeah. Uh huh. I was. Um, yeah, we had like three or four times a week. We had our groups we would go to, and these ones they did teach us like this was a chemical dependency program, which I was doing in addition to my other group therapy uh, and uh, uh, individual therapy. Mm-hmm. And I uh, went to these uh, meetings where they would teach us, like, the 12 steps, and we said, like, the serenity prayer and held hands, and you keep coming back, and it works if you work it, you know, and right. all that. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I have a bit of a cold, but... Yeah, we both just for the people that don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, oh, I'm losing my focus. That's okay. We were just talking about that you were sent. So you, you know, you, you were just telling us how you were went to AA meetings. They suggested you go to support groups, and you did. Yeah, um, yeah. So I would go to their meetings and three or four times a week, and then after that, I would go to like an AA meeting where. If I, I was in the same town, I would see several of the same people from there. In fact, I was part of their alumni at five or six years sober. They had meetings once a month, and I felt like that was that took the you know highest priority in my life because if I didn't have total abstinence, total sobriety in my life, then my life was going to be ruined. You know, I I honestly believe that. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Uh, so you were pretty young, because now I know how yeah. old you were in your early 30s, right? That was like 10 years ago, more than 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, in my early 20s. You, know, you and I haven't like, talked about this, and it's like off the list of questions, but did you see any uh, predatory behavior in the meetings that you attended? <coughs> oh, yeah, in the fellowship. <coughs> Excuse me. And, you know, I was younger, and I'm not, you know, I didn't really confront anyone on my own. I didn't feel like uh, it was my place. And not that I didn't care. Right. But, yeah, I did see it. But I didn't know what to do about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I knew that there was certain people that, uh, women that were preyed on by sponsors. And, you know, these are the same guys that are sitting in the meetings and everyone, they're giving some great share and everyone's applauding them and they're so great. And then they're out, you know, fucking one of the newcomers right after, you know, walking out with them. And it's just like, yeah, and I never liked that at all. And I started, I started noticing that a lot of the women 
that came to the fellowship, they only went to, like, the women's meetings and they stayed away from the men. And I yeah. figured out why. It was because of the predatory behavior. And so it was hard for me to even try to meet someone in a meeting uh, because, you know, everyone was just assumed to be a, a, a predator. Yeah, there. I think that there's like, a, all there was... Right, I think there was a great exodus of both men and women who went to men's stags, at least in Los Angeles. People who were decent and married didn't want to deal with the riffraff going on in the bigger mixed meetings. And so I I I think it was really obvious here in Los Angeles when I did that same thing. I couldn't find a decent mixed meeting where the energy was, you know, decent. And so I kind of searched out a women's meeting. I mean, now I, I didn't mm-hmm. when I left in the last you know year or so I didn't want to listen to anything that was read. So I I couldn't stand the dogma. But I right. I was curious about with you because we had never even talked about it. So you could see that even ten years ago, from what you're saying, that it was a ter- deterioration. And you're not even in a big city. You're in a small town, right? Yeah, I'm in. It was a town of about sixty or seventy thousand. Yeah, that's tiny, tiny. So let's move ahead to um, uh, let's talk about this. How did AA adversely affect your drinking? That's a good question. We're kind of getting into that earlier. Um, well, I believe the damaging beliefs that I had a progressive incurable disease. So after like five or six years sober, you know, I never touched alcohol or any drugs. I had been accused of uh, pill popping and stuff because I took vitamins. And, like, people are, you know, people can be really catty in AA and they just want to find any way to tear you down. And yeah. You're supposed to be a support group, right? And yeah. It's anything but for it can I mean, it got to be that way for me. And so, anyway, uh, I I was going to school to be a drug counselor, and I I was learning to how to expand my horizons about recovery. That it wasn't just all AA; that there was other things. And then I began to question the twelve steps or the the validity of them, without even knowing what I was doing. And so, I don't really know why I I did it, but. One night, I I took a, a big bottle of rum, mm-hmm. and I I must have drank about a fifth of uh, rum that night, because wow. once I did it, I realized, well, I just lost all my sobriety. I'm gonna have to go back to AA, right. and I I didn't want to go back to AA. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to, you know, I had done that, and people were like seeing things and be like, see, you shouldn't have stopped coming to meetings and all this. So it was just like, well, it was it was the power of, like, believing that because I, I had no control, I believed I had no control over alcohol, therefore I did, right. you know. Yeah, it's like if I had believed, yeah, mm-hmm. self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, it's like if I had believed I could moderate, which I know today to be true. Right. I would have behaved like a moderate drinker. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we, what we're talking about, it. sometimes I 
I watch some of these shows on television. I know you were telling me you don't watch TV, but <clears throat> mm-hmm. it's not it's not just TV. It's in film. There's like three or four films that are dealing with twelve um, step and forms of addiction. They're calling it. I don't even use the word. It's so ridiculous. It's such an overused word, and mm. not true. But it's so in the culture that you know when I talk to somebody like you which is why I'm had, having you on the show. And when I saw your mm-hmm. face the first time, I I just think it's really important that people show their face and make videos. And if everybody had a bad experience, you know, and the technology's out there, you can actually just turn on your computer with its little eyesight and make a short, you know, one minute or three minute or five minute, whatever they are, about mm-hmm. a certain topic. And it flooded the Internet. Um, it would it would help the whole movement of raising awareness of what's really going on in AA and what doesn't work and you know why you and I are here talking and it seems like well I'm a minority yeah. but you know are, are we really minorities I don't I don't know yeah I don't, it's like I, I kind of I felt that way like I was a minority like that's there's a lot of reasons I think I couldn't name them all why I made the videos. Uh, some of it was because I did feel like I was alone and I was yeah. in this journey. And it was like my way of uh, kind of reaching out. And, uh, you know, I had been in AA chat rooms and or 12-step chat rooms, and I had been banned from them because I said things that were in disagreement of cult dogma. You know, I had upset some of the the monitors or whatever they are and uh I part of it was I made a video because it's like I couldn't even say what I you know I, I'm still halfway by drinking the Kool-Aid yeah. but I'm starting to see like something's not right here doesn't add up and uh and I started saying it saying things about it and I so if I have my own YouTube channel, I could say whatever I want. Right. On it. And yeah, yeah, I think it's uh well, I'm glad you did it. So let's talk about um you want to talk about science versus religion? Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. okay. Um Well, I just written up, but uh I just kind of wanted to read it. This is uh religion teaches us and this is kind of a joke that I had with uh someone I knew in an AA meeting, from an AA meeting that actually was my sponsor, and he started planting seeds in my mind. Okay. And I, I think he knew it was a cult, but he had to go. He was, like, there because of the court. He was oh, court God, ordered. he's your sponsor? He's sponsoring you, some guy who was forced no, to No, not anymore, but he was. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. And he was kind of a 13-stepper, too. Oh, which I shouldn't laugh at, but I mean I don't. I'm not, but he's. Would yeah. What do you do? Like he's. He made the most sense out of anyone, you know. And there's things well, he did. That, that part I about it is that here you are, a young person in the early 20s, and the sponsor you're picking is sicker than you are, by far. Yeah. Okay, more fucked yeah, up, sicker than true. you are, and he's going to guide you in your life. Are you kidding? I mean, the stories that, right. you know, Gunther told me or other people told me, uh, this woman in Brooklyn, a uh, woman in Colorado, a woman in Washington, uh, you know, these people who are 
way sicker than you as 20-something, early 20-something, is going to be your sponsor. And, you know, I've heard judges say, well, do you have a sponsor? And do they know what they're talking about? I mean, yeah, like, that's the entrenchment <laughs> is so bad, Jason. I know. Yeah. It's like you have to get a sponsor. Go and it, You don't just go there and, like, oh, there's a sign-up list. Make sure you get your sponsor on your way out, you know. But anyway, so to answer your question, religion teaches us that St. Bill, I'll I'll say it this way, who supposedly he had a burning bush experience while on a potentially lethal cocktail of drugs, uncovered a magical formula, the 12 steps that were handed to him as if it was Moses receiving the Ten Commandments from God. Religion teaches us that the first 164 pages are sacred texts, and the Bible has been dubbed as the big, big book in lieu of AA's big book. You know how they say it's the, the big, big book. It's mm-hmm. the ultimate bullshit, sister, as they used to say at the meetings I went to. And then, now, science, on the other hand, does studies, uses the scientific method. It fo- does follow-up on patients for long-term aftercare and... Uh, tries to improve upon the results, and it, it's sort of an evolving thing that's always improving. It's not just like it was handed down from God through right. Bill Wilson and set in yeah. stone, you know. So yeah. that's my answer for that. Well, I, you know, I, I was really, uh, I was kind of shocked because I was one of those true believers who, you know, loved. The, the Bill Wilson story, okay, because I had sort of this, you know, waking up experience, but mine was actually because I just, my head cleared my head completely. And when I found out, uh, you know, that he had, they gave them such a strong cocktail of drugs, and that's what Bill was taking and, and telling yeah. people, they all did, that you could see a video where Bob's children are talking about it. So it's, you know, really, uh, <coughs> it's the truth is that they were mm-hmm. higher than a kite for two days. And uh, yeah. it's hallucinating from that and not from any, you know, God experience or enlightened experience. Right. Know, yeah, I read about that, too. That's why, you know, I said potentially lethal cocktail of drugs. They had him to get off all the heavy drinking he was doing. I, There's I just so many. Good, yeah, yeah. And also, I think it's a good point that people nowadays think that everybody can't take anything. They have to be, like, squeaky clean, God forbid, if they take oh, yeah. anything as they detoxed. Even, and, and, even an aspirin. They, I haven't yeah. had an aspirin in two years. You know? <laughs> like, you crazy? Yeah. No, I didn't. My Some people that I hung out with were not that nuts, although there were people surrounding me that were very, uh, you know, rigid about what you could and couldn't take and... I was like, mm-hmm. I took a Tylenol for a headache, and I had this brutal headache. Oh, no. And somebody was like, "Oh, no, they don't really." What? What? I was like, "What? Yo, I could take an aspirin." I was just, oh, I, I can't. I'm so embarrassed by it all, Jason. That I believed yeah. it, that I went, that I was a part of it. Like you know, it's like when you say, "I was a member." Well, where where was my card? Where did I sign up? Where did I? Mm-hmm. Where did I? You know, read down that list of what the bullshit that they would, you know, profess to me that, you know, well, you're going to be broken forever and you have to come here forever. And, you know, God, if you ever stop coming to meetings, that means you get drunk and, you know, you'll need us forever. And, uh, I mean, if somebody would have said all that stuff to me early on, I would have said, fuck you. 
Continue know, huh? stupid little whatever you're calling spiritual, fake spiritual program and shove it up your ass because they don't say that. They say, well, take what you like and leave it and identify and don't compare. All the young people get all the soft sell or they're getting a real hard sell if they're getting sent away to these teen rehab places. But, you know, you're huh. lucky enough that you saw the light. What happened to you that uh, broke broke in there and, you know, you saw the truth about it? What happened? I'm not even sure. Uh, one thing that I probably could be sure of is that there's different people planting seeds along the way, and I didn't mm-hmm. even know. And they were saying things to try and, you know, how it's brainwashing and how it's a cult. I, I went to meetings, and they told me it was a cult. And one of the biggest eye-openers I had was uh, a young people meeting that I used to go to. They were... Uh, very a few of the members are adamant about not taking any kind of meds, even prescribed psychiatric medication. Oh wow! Well, I was I ended up hospitalized, and one of the guys that was in there when I was there was someone I had seen at this meeting who they were also telling not any, to not take his meds, and he had stopped taking his medication, and he tried to commit suicide. Right, and. And then, get this, we're in there, and the only treatment they're offering is 12 steps. Oh, my God. They want to take us to a meeting outside. They're taking wow. uh, people that are supposed to be in a mental health hospital to a wow. meeting. Oh, my, for what? 12-step meeting. How is it supposed to help you with mental health? AA can Yeah, help. exactly. It makes it worse. It, they're a bunch <laughs> of nuts. Yeah. Wow. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's... I don't know where to begin with that. Well, you were with the guy, so you 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 stopped taking your meds. I said, like, what? So you had people at meetings. This is what you were telling me. You had people at uh. meetings that were actually saying A was a cult in the meetings. You had somebody who was kind of aware of stuff who was still attending meetings, doing some yeah. de- what was sharing deprogramming stuff in the meeting. It was getting to you. You stopped taking your meds. You wind up in this place with another guy from the meeting who also tried to kill himself when he got off his medication. And you, uh-huh. you you were there. You were right at that point in the story, and they took you to a meeting. Well, I didn't go. I refused to go to the meeting oh. at that point. I had started to turn against AA, and I remember I was making jokes about it to myself, how it contradicted itself, like uh, the you know the disease concept. I think, uh, let's see what I wrote about that. But it's it's a real contradiction in itself. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I know you had some notes. So this is the, the part you want to talk about, um, where yeah. you you see you begin to see it, uh, the truth about A for you. You don't like it anymore, and uh, something regarding the disease aspect of calling it a disease, which it's not a disease. Yeah. Well, let's see. Um, they they claim that alcoholism is the disease and or is a disease, and then they say only a God of your understanding. If we're rigorously followed, and this is in so many words, I'm paraphrasing. Right. You will be granted a daily reprieve contingent on your spiritual maintenance. I think that's total bullshit. But our culture eats this up. It says. It's basically a contradiction, this disease concept, because it says 
either we have a disease that causes us to drink more and more and eventually uncontrollably if we are not completely abstinent. So basically, our disease is at fault. Then we have, a, then if we are to have any chance in hell at this guy granting us a daily reprieve, we have to rigorously follow steps and demand our character defects be removed by our conception of a God. So it's like, which one is it? It's, it's either a disease that causes us to drink uncontrollably or it's our character defects. They're saying wow. it's both. How, how, I don't see how those two correlate. You know, what page is that on? I don't see the connection. Huh? What page? What page is that on? Oh, it's not in the big book. I mean, oh. that, that's in so many words. All that is in the big book. That's the idea they're trying to sell about. Like, if you read the doctor's opinion, that's when it first says something about alcoholism being an allergy or a spiritual malady, or this is both. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. So if we're going to go to the insurance companies and say. Mm-hmm. When are you going to send somebody for a spirit? AA is calling it a spiritual malady. So you're going to pay $1,000 a day to send somebody to a group of people who are calling it a spiritual malady? Like, who the fuck uses that kind of word anyway? Yeah. 1935 language, you know, like yeah. when they were le- using leeches, I think, you know, to cure. They're using the same medical terms that they used 80 years ago, arcane practices that, you know, are outdated. But with AA is like, you know, they say it's endorsed by the AMA. From what I understand, that's just a front group. It's basically a group AA made to pose for the American Medical Association to say, that, yeah, it's a disease. So they're going to pay, a, you know, there's a, com- a some comics, comics that did a real funny skit on this, and I have it on my YouTube channel, a link to that video where, uh, you know, they have a, a disease that uh, God is going to cure. And so, you know, like you were saying, they're going to go to this. It's like you can make a big old joke about it. Someone already did. Wow. What is your YouTube channel called to tell everybody? Because I just put in recovery. What is it called? Re- recovery Truth One. Is it all together? Is there a space? No, it's all one, and then it's a let, number one, not a letter, like recovery, truth, and then a number one. Right, so there's no spaces, right? Right. As if I put in the way there's no spaces and it doesn't come up. Okay, here well, we come. So, what did you um, put in YouTube.com forward slash recovery, truth, one? You know what I mean? www.youtube.com forward slash recovery, right, truth, one. All right, so you have, I'm looking at um, the most recent, so you started this, when did you start making the videos? Back in, I think it was 2011. And mm-hmm. see, I had no idea it was going to catch on like this. Well, it was kind of an experiment, and I just wanted to see what would come out of it. Right. And I didn't really think much about it. And then I didn't even check it for the longest time. And I looked back on there, and I had all this, all these comments and so many of them were like steppers that were just they hated me because of what I was saying. <laughs> right. And I was like, Well I had to delete all these comments and it was it was ridiculous. Wow. People had people had defended me on there and then I made a couple of videos just reading the comments that were defending me and people were like giving me a hard time because saying 
yeah, you can sit there and read and just someone else's comments. Uh, well, first of all, you don't have any videos. And second of all, okay. I'm. this isn't all my videos that are like that. This is the ones I'm trying to say, look, these are some comments that I actually really appreciate. And I wanted to promote the good that came out of it, not and not the bad. So the wood obviously there were people that were happy that you, they that you were doing it, right? You found people that were oh, yeah. with you. Um yeah. so did you make any uh friends or did you find any other uh like you and I met that way. You know, I googled, I kept googling mm-hmm. and I found one of yours and I think I wrote to you and uh No, you're actually the first person. I've uh I've ran into people like at least one or two people in online that have seen my videos, but I would have, you know, I would have ran into them online anyways. It just so happened I also had the videos. But I've never really met anyone in real life as a result of making the videos. So you yet. haven't talked on the phone with anybody else besides me? Yeah, besides you, I haven't talked to anyone on the phone. No. So do you do you blog on the uh, orange papers or expose AA or leaving AA any of No, I haven't done I haven't done any of that. I've gone to orange papers and tried to read as much as I can possibly handle at a time. Right. There's so much to take in. It's like just one uh, page that you can sit there and read on all day almost. Yeah, it's that's quite an quite a encyclopedia. Yeah, it's thinking. really expensive. Yeah, it's uh. And then um, you were informing me that I'm on there. Yeah, uh, I think that J.R. Harris, the blogger, puts you up there, along with a lot of uh, Blaine Denial, Mike Blaine Denial videos. Now he's been yeah. at it a long time. His videos go way back, and uh, I think he stopped mm-hmm. making for a little while. And I, I believe yeah. he's making a documentary as well. And which I hope he is because it's going to take more than my documentary to break open this uh right you know, sort of it's a, because AA has everyone thinks it's this it's like Disneyland it's this magical place and you go there with your addictions and you get cured and everything's wonderful and they don't see the toll it takes on those people's lives and their family and you know I could I had a whole bunch of stuff I kind of wanted to talk about it was about a half hour in the show about how A damaged me, how yeah, I was hurt by it. Yeah, talk about that now. Yeah, talk about that. How um, it damaged you? Well, the first thing that happened was I began to believe in their teachings that you know I was powerless. So I don't know if you've heard of what the difference between internal and external locus of control are. External is like everything just happens to us. We have no say over the direction our lives go. Everything, we're just blowing in the wind, and we have no... Oh, my God. Like, it's all just planned out for us, and we have no say in it. Right. Everything's fate. That's external. And internal is... I don't know if it's... I don't think it's extreme, like, we control everything. It just means, like, that we can... It's a good thing to have, that we do have some say over the direction our lives, because we can't control everything, obviously. Oh, my God. Of course we do. We do have... Yeah... And, you know, they like to, they likes to make that whole thing about being on, the actors on stage and talks about it in the big book. 
about we all want to play the uh, director and make right. it, all the actors perfect, and it's just this really That's diluted so stupid, stuff. stupid, Jason, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's so stuff anyway, really stupid. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I started, I started believing this stuff about not having any control, and that you know that was extra devastating on my psyche because I'm already battling depression. Right. And so then to be told I have no power oh on my top God. of all that. Right. You know, and then of course it was it, later when I left AA when I tried to drink I drank uh way out of control because I believed I was powerless you know, I was powerless over my consumption and so I might as well just do it up is the best, you know. Right. And I really it was really not a fun time. But, you know, I thought I was making did, up for lost time. Right. How long it, did that go on for and what oh, happened a few to months. you that a few months, okay. And what yeah. what happened that made you realize it was bullshit? That wasn't true. When I was drinking too much? Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know. Um I think it had to do with my hospital stay. That was part yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. And I realized I was drinking too much, and I had just numbed out, and I wasn't facing life anymore. And I had done all the things that, you know, the good. If you're we're good at recovery, you're not supposed to do all the things that are the wrong thing to do. I, I you know, <laughs> I found a way to do them. Yeah. And and I realized that's maybe some, I realized that's what it was, and so part of my actual pro- progress to any real uh, sort of, I don't even like to say sobriety I'm, right. or recovery. I, know, I hate I those know words, too. Word. You can find a new word. <laughs> what word to, are you? Well, what, what but, are you trying to Let's find a new word. Like if you're saying abstinence. Yeah, stability, abstinence. I guess, in my life. Right. Stability. Right. Balance. Was, stability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, balance was to like uh, find out, to, un, to deprogram, to unbrainwash myself from drinking all the AA Kool-Aid because I had to know why I believed what I believed because what I believed was not working for me and I had to say okay why do I believe this and what do I and what do I really believe or maybe I don't believe anything maybe I only know you know I don't I go by what I know and I don't just cuz AA it's just it's just as blind as any is uh, the most blind religious faith could be, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you go in there and it's like, I didn't know anything. I didn't know about the orange papers or blame the Nile or smart recovery or any of that. Right, yeah, me neither. And then another thing that happened to me, so you sit around, you know, if you go to A, you sit around in these rooms and I'm sure you're aware people tell their horror stories and they're drinking the the drunkologues and and how how well they work the steps and and they have their personal stories and I guess I didn't know this but I was watching some of the videos on YouTube and I guess Bill W's childhood experience uh I can't remember exactly how it was but he was kind of like he felt alone and different and unwanted mm-hmm. so he had a unique situation, and I identified with that part 
and so and I and you know that was always a big emphasis like I always thought I was alone until I came to AA and then I found out that's where all my friends and family are and that's the next thing is they encourage you to uh you know get rid of your old friends even if they just drink moderately because mm-hmm. you should just be around AA people and I didn't go to weddings you know because of AA and I even missed a relative funeral when I need some water really wow yeah because I, the people I mean it, I didn't people didn't tell people to do that that I knew I mean everybody was well, yeah part of it was had to do with my the health insurance I had my parents also had the same thing and it was some of the same staff members and they were influencing like my mom um to to believe if I go there I'll be tempted if there's alcohol around me and you know people are grieving they want to drink I'm not condoning that but that's what happens right. and and if I do that then my life's going to be ruined you know and mm. not that, that would have been a healthy thing for me but right it wouldn't have ruined my life right right it, unless I believed you, it it did ruin my life though eventually because I believed that it was going to and so, you know, I created a self-fulfilling prophecy. And then the another thing was learning to blindly follow others' advice, like sponsors or old-timers, you know. And it's all about giving advice instead of listening to yourself and what you think yeah. is right. Yeah. That's what I do today. That's what I found works for me. Not so much run to advice and ask everyone for for you know, help you make every decision on which shoe you should tie first and all. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous, but that's what they're talking about, as at least as examples. You know, I, I, I see a, a period, uh, like a, a pattern, and you thank God you were only there four or five years, but uh, I, swim at, I swim laps, and there was a guy who I ran into there who also swam laps and had like 20 years mm-hmm. of abstinence, and I uh, mm-hmm. just knew... Um, you know, people that I know, and he was always wanting to talk to me about his problems and how, uh, what I thought, like in, in a desperate way. Like, you've got 20 years, it was like, it almost, I think that it's, I think it's so damaging. I mean, I could do a whole show on what happens to people after uh, 15 or 20 years. But yeah. um, this dependence, it makes a man less of a man, I think. It makes a woman, uh, I mean, I don't know what to say about a woman. But do it, it mm-hmm. makes them more masculine uh, than they should be in a certain way because it's a masculine program. It's dominated by uh, it's a wacko program, I should say. But I've, the point that you're making is so right on that I saw it, and and so and I've known people who have left who become stronger and stronger at, from being gone because you don't mm-hmm. ask other people what they fucking think. For everything, like you just said, like how I should tie my shoes, or what do you think about that? Mm. I mean, friends do ask each other, you know, honey, well, I'm married, you know, I, what do you think, honey, you know, about this? And right. we talk about, you know, I'll meditate and just figure out the answers. You know, they'll come. I talk to other people if I really need to. I call my therapist, but I'll, I'll talk to my producer about ideas. But in the end, you know what? We all know. In the end, we know. Right. For most situations that are so simple and everyday, and the pattern of what's happened, how AA has evolved and given so much power 
to a word, the sponsor, and to a person who's a sponsor because they have time, is so psychologically messed up and is very dumb. It is. I gave bad advice, not a lot, but a few times I, I said somebody, it wasn't bad, it was like, it wasn't my place. You know what I mean? In the end, like in the yeah. last, like, like the last five years out of 35 years I spent there. And actually there were about six years I was there very little when my kids were little. But, you know, uh, it wasn't my place to tell her who she should have sex with or when she should have sex with somebody or whatever. That, man, if you want to act like that, then go act like that. Not my business. If you want to be self-destructive with your sexual behavior, go at it, man, because you're a fucking grown woman. That's what I should have said to her. You know, huh. I, I see it as being abusive. I see self-abusive. I see it as being harmful to you. I can see that you have no self-esteem or self-worth. But you know what? I'm not a trained professional. And, right. you know, I mean, I had good sponsors who didn't talk AA rhetoric to me. It's probably the only reason I, w- I was there so long. But we, they, you know, we talked about therapy, people, therapeutic uh, things that helped them, you know, uh, just old good womanly advice you know they were sharing their good life uh wisdom that they had it was not like oh go write another inventory are you kidding i wouldn't that's not the kind of people i i uh, oh yeah i was about to get to that inventory yeah um yeah oh just another comment on what we were talking about with the advice like i had someone leave a comment on uh, one of my videos about his girlfriend uh, was is being sucked into the cult and what should he do and he was yeah. worried about some uh, someone 13, 13 stepping her yeah, and I thought I can't really tell this guy on the internet who I've never met what he should do <laughs> but what I think it, he should do is listen to himself and right. not ask for advice about everything maybe you know sometimes you do need to bounce things off people but Above all is like listen you like you lose that sense of self in AA. You sort of Right. You know, who you You're are. That way. You lose it doesn't identity. matter. It doesn't matter who you are. You know yeah. what I mean? It doesn't matter who you are. And that's what you know, the whole thing I mean, Gunther said this on my uh, radio show that I wound up putting in my film where, you know, it's the group that matters. Group, you know, it's a group think. It's a really socialist right. or communist or I don't know what it what it is. <laughs> learned uh-huh. he just learned helplessness, but yeah, it's yeah. not yeah, it's not good. So what ha- winds up happening? I mean, I feel bad. I see we see that all the time, whether it's on Orange Papers or on Leaving AA site, where you see this kind of stuff happening, of um, guys coming on or men and women, especially men, if their wives are, are getting sucked in. Uh, you know, to the to AA that they could get oh, their stepped or something. Of course, it could yeah. happen, and they're good. I know a guy who's more like my age who has that happening with his uh, wife. You know, and it's mm. it's really sad. Yeah, another thing uh, is you know, if you were to ask questions or maybe you didn't agree with something or you didn't you wanted to know more before you agreed, it's like. I had a sponsor that someone I was working with, and I wanted to know, you know, I wanted to understand how the steps worked. And he would always tell me I was, like, arguing because I didn't just listen and do what he said. I wasn't like a little robot for him. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I want to just introduce you again so people know who I'm talking to. So I, okay. I am talking to Jason Bartley from Recovery Truth One. He's a YouTuber, and he's a guy. <laughs> he's a young 30-something. He lives in Northern California. Uh, Jason Bartley, Recovery Truth. Recovery Truth uh, with the number one. It's all together. Right. You can find him on YouTube. He has some 20 YouTube videos with over 18,000 um, uh, views. Uh, what's the one that has the most uh, views? What's the title? I believe it's uh, Walking Away from the AA Cult. That one has over 10,000. And it's kind of weird. I don't know why that one has so many views. When The other ones uh, that I have... I think I have no more than about a thousand, you know, some amount over a thousand. Uh, you know, maybe because when I was creating Leaving AA, Ilsa mm. from the Stinking Thinking site, we were trying to think of a name, and she said, well, Monica, you know, people Google, you can see what people, what phrases people Google to find you, and people mm-hmm. would put in Leaving AA, to, and they would find Stinking Thinking that way, so we decided on the oh, really? You know, leaving AA, yeah, I was like, what, what am I going to call this? Because my other site's called Stop 13 Step in AA, and that's more for people when they're in it still and they want help and they might want to go back and create a, like a workshop or they want the literature. But leaving AA is for someone who's thinking about leaving or left or want to leave and they want help in that process. And so walking away from the AA cult is, you know, I'm just putting it in the chat room. Uh, you know, something that people might put into, can you see in your analytics what people, what they write to find you? Is um, that a feature in that? Um, you no, see? I don't know. what. I mean, you can just go to my page and then go to under videos, and it'll, it'll list all 20, there's like 20 of them, I think. And then I have some playlists made. The older ones I didn't really feature, but I guess a lot of people are still watching them because, like, when you're done watching the YouTube video, uh, they'll pop up in little squares, like 16 little squares inside the main window. Yeah. And you can pick which video to watch, so maybe people are being directed that way. I'm not really sure. Uh, It doesn't say Right. What do you right, think uh, that is so important? I mean, I, I too, you know, from uh, having the radio show, which is now like two and a half years, uh, it helped me deprogram immensely. Or, or reading the Orange Papers helped me. Blogging on Stinking Thinking, it's not a really busy site anymore, but it used to be the busiest site, anti-AA site that was around. Um, yeah. The radio show where I actually took the literature, I tore it apart with another blogger, Gunther, and, you know, by seeing it and having these shows and, and having and interviewing other people, what would you say, out of these 20 videos, uh, that mm-hmm. helped you the most deprogram? To deprogram? I don't know if uh, if making a video so much helped me deprogram. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it did, but I don't know if I could rate, like, which one did it the most. Yeah. They all kind of help. I mean, they're all different. Like, the one that has so many views... It's kind of just, I was trying to take the best, you know, they talk about spiritual principles and all this stuff in AA. And I, and it make, I started wondering, well, what spiritual principles are they talking about? Because I, I'm not so sure. So I tried to make sense of anything good that 
uh, my BNAA, and it's anything that any major religion or any basic, you know, type of teachings would have you, fought, you know, adhere to. Just, you know, basic life, things about life that I think anyone could agree on. And that's what I came away with was on my, on that video was my take on how how I think I was trying to get myself to understand how I was going to live without AA mm-hmm. because I I was so steeped in the belief that I had to have AA to survive and that I was going to take the things that I needed out of AA and be able to use them without having to go to AA, I guess. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, well, you could think of I think it's interesting. I think uh, I'm glad you made them. Uh, I'm sure you're going to be making more, right? Uh, yeah, I probably will. Uh, I think I should make some more just because of other people, you know, might see them and it could help them deprogram. Now mm-hmm. I can, like, more focus on, like, when I first did it, I had no, like, like, Today I could focus on why well, I want to make a video that would appeal to this people that are at this point in their their walk out of AA, you know, or whatever it is. And before it was just kind of like me speaking my mind randomly without any sense of direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um is it sort of a stream of consciousness, or do you write notes first? How did you work on the videos? Some of them I did. I, I wrote, like, notes and then read. And then some of them I just talked. Mm-hmm. Or, you, know, so, you know, I did both. I kind of mixed it. Yeah. Now, there's we have about seven minutes left. There were two questions. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure we covered them. One of them was, okay. uh, did you feel like you covered enough about AA and Christianity? You want to talk about? Is there, I know we talked. About um, I feel like we covered in, enough of that. I don't. Well, I don't know that we covered any of it, but uh, I we could kind of skip that because I actually wanted to cover more about um, the healthcare. Is, yeah, the well, healthcare? not not the healthcare, but you know, feeling trapped by AA. Okay, yeah, let's where, talk about that. Then. And the mm-hmm. counterproductive, well, two things. One, the the it was counterproductive. You know, this is more about how it harmed me. It was counterproductive and destructive to my efforts in therapy, like the fourth and fifth step, looking where things were my fault. Yeah. And it was things that were still that where I had been traumatized by something, or I was the victim, but I had to find my fault where I allowed myself to be the victim, and I by. Uh, over events that were still traumatizing to me at the time. Oh, wow. And it just rehashed these resentments. It was really bad. You know, I always had it doing these fourth and fifth steps. And then I also was, like, spinning my wheels in life in AA because, you know, they just... How do I put this? It's like you can't you can't get off this wheel you're on and make progress in your life. You're right. You because see what you need. I think for me, what I needed was on my own. I went through. Everyone goes through crisis in their life, troubling right. times. Right. It's how we recover from that, and it's sort of that 
a sense of that is built into us. And we, if we got, we depend on AA to like use this cookie cutter style approach mm-hmm. that we can all just be molded a certain way. To, and that's gonna, it's not gonna work. It might work for a few people, but most people, that's not gonna work for, and it's probably gonna cause more harm than good. And that's one of my main gripes with AA is people are like, well, why do you care if you just don't go to the cult? Well. You know, I thought one of the tenets of AA was wanting to help other people. And one of the ways I want to help other people is <laughs> tell them that cult is bullshit because it's gonna, it could harm you a lot worse. The things, you don't know what you're getting into because if I had known, I would never have gotten into it. And, it, and it, in our society, it's seen as this great thing, and it, it, that needs to change because it's not. Yeah, yeah, it, it really needs to change. Have you ever gone into a meeting and said this stuff like we're talking about here you know you realize you woke up talking about it from a point of view I once drank this Kool-Aid and believed this stuff and now I don't and this is why no I've I have seen people come into meetings though and say some crazy thing off the wall things and maybe that was part of what and I mean everyone would just look at each other and laugh and think oh this guy's lost it but maybe Maybe he had lost it, but despite the fact that he lost it, what he was saying was the truth and some part of the truth because he was seeing, he was using, he was thinking for himself and not just drinking the Kool-Aid. And and he was, I had never done that though, gone inside an actual fellowship, no. I had done it in chat rooms, and that's yeah. why I got banned from a couple right. because... I started figuring things out, and I wanted to say something about it. Uh, I think it would be interesting to do in Hollywood. I don't know how it would go over in other places in small towns. I mean, I actually did attend a meeting in Jersey uh, with a woman who wrote a book where she was hit on, upper middle class neighborhood. And I kind of waited till the very end, so it was like very little time for anyone. There was room for, I think, one more or two people to say anything, which, of course, there was a rebuttal to what I said. But uh, I, I do fantasize about going there with a group of people that are just like, like-minded of you and I and, um, mm-hmm. you know, just saying it. Uh, I once believed this, and I don't believe it's true now. And uh, I think, you know, if, you, if you're questioning this, go home and go on the Internet. And Google alternatives to AA, or Google is AA. You know what I mean? I think. Wow, we're at 90 seconds left. I want to finish up, and I want to thank Jason for being on the show. Again, we're no talking problem. to. Yeah, it's uh, 90 seconds left. We're talking to Jason Bartley. You can find him on YouTube, Recovery Truth One. And I hope that you find yourself onto the Leaving AA site and. Log into Orange Papers. I'm sure people would love to chat with you or expose AA. And uh, any any is another site as well. I want to thank you for making your videos. And uh, we can Skype. I'll introduce you to the people that Skype. I want to tell everybody that um, I'm making this film again, so I'm going to be doing live shows only every other week, so that I can rest and uh, get the film made. So I'll, I will be uploading old shows and having some new people on as I continue uh, making the film and hopefully finishing it by the end of the year. 
So again, uh, good night, everybody. Have a good night. I hope Jason and I get over our colds. <laughs> yeah. It was great having you on, Jason. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay. We'll talk again soon. Okay, good night. That's it, everybody. Good night, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you.